0: if you would please open your bibles to proverbs chapter 3 this week we'll be looking at verses 13 through 26 it can be found on pages 528 and 529 of the bibles that are in the pews proverbs chapter 3 starting in verse 13 blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped dew Drop down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And as we do, let us together go and ask the Lord's help as we come to his word this morning. Father God, your word says that blessed is the one who finds wisdom. And we come here this morning confessing that we need wisdom and understand that you alone are the one who can give it to us. So would you by your spirit give us this wisdom, your wisdom? May it come truthfully and clearly from the lips of this sinful man and may it fall upon ears that are ready to receive it and to walk in light of the wisdom that you give so freely. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Is it worth it? This is a question we often ask ourselves, and it's a question that has to deal with cost, consequences of our actions or our decisions. Is it worth sacrificing sleep to wake up early in the morning to get up and exercise? Is it worth keeping the kids up later to swim a little bit more at the pool or to let the babies skip the nap because we want to spend a little bit more time with friends? Is it worth making financial sacrifices today when we really could use the finances today? Is it worth engaging our friend who with that post or that text is simply looking for an argument? Life is filled with is-it-worth-it moments and scenarios. And we as human beings, we want to know always what the payout will be, assuming that the payout will be positive. We want to be sure that whatever it is that we're about to do is going to prove to be worth it in the end. In our text this morning, our second of three weeks in Proverbs chapter 3, you can almost hear the father anticipating the son's question is it worth it, this pursuit of wisdom? Will the consequences be positive? Will the payout be for my good? Or using our points last week, is it worth keeping wisdom close? Is it worth trusting in the Lord completely? Is it worth receiving the Lord's fatherly discipline? Maybe the father has asked these questions once himself. Or maybe he really knows his son well enough that he knows what his son is begging to ask. Whatever the case, the father in our text this morning stands convinced and wants his son and us equally convinced that yes, wisdom is worth it. Wisdom is worth the pursuit because what we gain from wisdom are incomparable gifts from the Lord. Let me say that again. Wisdom is worth the pursuit because what we get from wisdom are incomparable gifts from the Lord. Page seven in the bulletin gives the three points for this morning, emphasizing this value of wisdom. First, we'll look at the wise person is the blessed person. Then we'll look at the world is governed by wisdom. And then finally, we'll look at the wise person is the secure person. We start with where the father does with the wise person is the blessed person. Blessed or blessed is the controlling idea in verses 13 through 18. It is literally the first word and the last word. Look at those two verses. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. This is telling us that everything squeezed between these words of blessing is going to give us a picture of what the blessed life looks like. It will tell us what's going to come out of our diligent search and pursuit of wisdom. And diligence is required. Those three verbs we find, finds, gets, holds fast, these all point to the son's need for diligence, resilience, perseverance. He's going to need to search aggressively for wisdom, as though he's searching for a precious treasure which he's going to find out he actually is searching for a precious treasure and when he finds her he's going to need to forge a relationship with her of holding her fast of building intimacy with her and while this may sound intense or maybe a little bit burdensome for a young son it is far from it because if you're familiar with that word blessed you know that when it comes to scripture it means happy It would be right to to translate it, happy is the one who finds wisdom. Those who hold fast to her are happy. It is the gain of true wisdom. And of course, this idea of happiness is not the way our world would define it. Because our world is consumed with happiness being about our pleasure. Particularly our pleasure sought at whatever cost. Or happiness is simply a feeling that can ebb and flow depending on what is facing us at that very moment. You know, the idea here and elsewhere in scripture, Proverbs and and Psalms, just those two alone, include the phrase, blessed is the one, 21 times. It boils down to what one commentator calls living life optimally as our creator intended. That's what it means to be happy. To live life as our creator intended us to live. So the father is essentially saying, son, if you want to be happy, You need to be wise. Why? This might be the question you are asking. Why do we need to be wise if we want to be happy? Why do we need wisdom? And this is where the middle verses help to flesh this out for us. They fill in the gaps. And first we see that wisdom holds an immeasurable value. Look what he says in verses 14 and 15. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. The Father certainly points to riches, wealth, and treasure. Gold, we know, is both beautiful and valuable. To a lesser degree, but still beautiful and valuable, so is silver. They would have been critical in that day, as well as in our day, for currency, for buying, for selling, for daily life. Jewels only increase that idea of value and worth because they're more beautiful. They're more treasured because they're rare. Those who would have had jewels both in that day and in our day are considered prosperous, blessed, even happy. So wisdom doesn't somehow suddenly turn these things into trash or it doesn't say these things are really just meaningless and worthless But instead, the father is pointing to them so then he can say, Son, wisdom is better. Gold, silver, and jewels, they cannot compare with her. Those things can ultimately be had for a price, even if that price is unbelievably high. Wisdom has no such price, it is truly priceless. And note how he says it's not merely that wisdom, what she offers, is the treasure. She herself is the treasure. He says she is more precious. Nothing can compare with her. He's pointing her, his son in the direction to wisdom as the treasure that is worth pursuing. Then he builds this further in verses 16 and 17, where he moves from the immeasurable value and gets to how wisdom gives true satisfaction. He says, Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Long life, riches, honor. Who doesn't want these things? They accurately sum up what every single human being has sought after from the very beginning and what our world is still consumed with seeking after and trying to secure for itself. People want to live as long as they can, so they try the latest diet, the latest exercise, the latest fad that will promise them health and physical prosperity. People want as much money as they can so they jump at the latest investment strategy or the very next best get rich quick scheme. People want honor and a name so they build a massive social media platform to gain a following and so then they can become that coveted title of influencer. And no, I'm not saying these things are bad in and of themselves. But the Father is telling the Son, you cannot aim for these things. Don't aim for riches. Don't aim for wealth. Don't aim for honor. Aim for wisdom. Because wisdom will give you them. Because she's the one who's holding them in her right and her left hand. She's the key to these things. Only by pursuing her will you find these things that you so desperately seek. And this idea would actually, will actually get repeated later, not by the father, but by whoever writes the Proverbs later on, particularly in chapter 22, where it says, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord, wisdom, is riches, honor, and life. Wisdom gives such good gifts to those who grab hold of her. And then on top of that, she gives pleasantness and peace. She leads those who hold her and fixes them on the path that is good and healthy and true. These are the same paths that we heard about last Sunday. The paths that are the fruit of us trusting wholeheartedly in the Lord and in his wisdom. There is satisfaction we see is to be found, but it's not in searching for the gifts that she gives, but it is found in searching for wisdom herself. She is the giver, and true satisfaction comes when we find her. This then leads to the, the, the final and ultimate answer to the question of why wisdom, and we see it in the beginning of verse 18. She is the way to, she holds eternal life. The Father says, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her you know what the picture of the tree of life points you back to. It points us back to the garden where it represented eternal life. It was a picture of Adam and Eve in perfect communion with God, fully trusting in his good and perfect wisdom. It's what they knew and what they tasted. And it's also what they lost when they decided to turn from the wisdom of the Lord in pursuit of their own wisdom. Of seeing that fruit and seeing that it was good for food and it was good for what? Making one wise. And so the tree of life since then has always been this this picture, this attaining goal for people to pursue. This promise of blessing, of healing and life. But it's the thing that people cannot attain. The father says wisdom gives that reward to those who lay hold of her. To those who trust in the Lord, as we heard last week, with all their hearts and not lean on their own understanding. And it is in this picture of the tree of life that we're also pointed forward to the one who promises that he will give the right to eat of the tree of life. Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God. And so holding and trusting to wisdom is a call for us to hold and to trust Jesus Christ who twice in revelation promises again that those who hold fast to him will eat of the tree of life. You see, the wise person is the blessed person because the wise person is ultimately the person resting and trusting in Christ. Resting and trusting in his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection that has secured for us all of these blessings that we read here in the hands of wisdom. And so from this first point, we need to ask ourselves, where are you and I seeking blessing? Or where are we convinced that happiness is going to come from? Parents, where are you directing your children to find blessing and happiness in a world that is so desperately seeking to point them in the direction that is ultimately folly and destruction? We need to be faithful to point our children to true wisdom the only place where satisfaction and blessing can be found. Because if we look for it anywhere else, we're going to come up empty. No one has ever found true satisfaction and blessing apart from the wisdom of God. So may we take the Father's word to heart and seek to find wisdom, seek to direct others to wisdom, as revealed to us in the word of God and in the person of his eternal Son, the wisdom made flesh, So find wisdom and hold fast to it in Christ. Second, then, the father moves from from the wise person is the blessed person to the world is governed by wisdom. We see this in this short interlude in verses 19 and 20. And this idea isn't really a gift of wisdom. It's simply the father stating a fact. It provides further proof that wisdom is able to deliver on what she promises. And that is because, as these two verses boldly declare, that wisdom has been built into the way the world works. God has embedded it into the very DNA of creation. Now in chapter 8, the father will go into further detail about wisdom and its relationship with creation. He will actually turn the microphone or the pen over to wisdom and let her speak in verses 22 through 31. And what she does is she gives her a rather impressive resume, a resume unlike any one or anything else. And verses 19 and 20 provide us with a condensed version. It's the abridged resume. It's the appetizer for Proverbs chapter 8. And the first thing that we see is that the Lord created all things by wisdom. It says it very clearly in verse 19. By wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens wisdom was the tool that God used to create heaven and earth the world works because it was fashioned by God's powerful wisdom math and science make sense not because of our ability to make sense out of it but because they're grounded in God's perfect wisdom There is still much for us to learn about life and all its complexities because the wisdom of God is exhaustive. We are only plumbing the surface of it. Wisdom is not some abstract idea that came out of nowhere. And it's also not like human wisdom, susceptible to change or corruption. It does not change because it flows from the God who does not change. Or as wisdom herself would say in Proverbs 8, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him. Contrary to what some may argue, chance had nothing to do with the stability, the permanence, and the goodness of creation. It was all wisdom. The wisdom of God to establish it, to secure it, and to set all things in their right and proper places. And it is because the Lord founded wisdom, or the the Lord used wisdom to found the earth, that living wise makes sense. Because we're living how God has wired creation to work. And it also makes sense that why when we live foolishly, it doesn't make sense, because we're living contrary to the way God has wired creation to work. It then leads us to the second highlight. Not only did God create by wisdom, but God sustains by wisdom. We see this in verse 20. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. Wisdom was not a once and done, set it in motion and go. Her work continues each and every day. It has not and it will not cease. The deep and the dew, they're both pictures of water. Water in every time, and every place, is a necessity. You can't live without water. Water from the deep was, was typically viewed as chaotic, as dark, as violent. The wisdom of God controls that. The dew that falls from the heavens is far less violent and chaotic. It's a critical part of how God continues to renew the earth so that it may flourish and glorify him. His wisdom controls that too. With all the heat and humidity that we've had over these past few weeks, and it's been a lot, I've always grumbled because as I wake up in the morning, I can't see out my window because they're covered in dew. And prior to this week, I would grumble and complain, but this week, in light of this sermon, I've learned to appreciate the dew that is even on my windows. They are means of God's provision in what has been a very dry season. If I was so desperate for water, thankfully I'm not, I could go out and start collecting it and then bring it in and use it as my family sees fit. There are places on earth where people must do that. These are means of God's provision by his wisdom. The dew is a testament to his sustaining wisdom. He makes the vital life-giving water available to his creation in both the great ways, like storms and things bursting out of the ground, as well as in the seemingly trivial ways, the dew that collects on our windows in the morning. And to bring this idea even further down then from the clouds, this truth that God's wisdom governs the world and sustains it has direct implications on how you and I should live. Living by our own wisdom or by the wisdom of this world is not simply foolish. It is seeking to live outside of how God has designed this world to function. We currently find ourselves in a moment where many are trying to do this very thing. To live outside of God's good and wise design in a number of different ways. And the result that we're seeing is chaos, confusion, and pain. We're seeing it in almost every sphere of life at this moment. But the truth of how God governs by his wisdom means that we need to faithfully proclaim this wisdom. We need to warn those who are confident in their own wisdom that it will only lead to destruction. It cannot bring the happiness, the satisfaction, the security, or the life that it's promising it will bring. Because only the wisdom of God can bring such things. But we also need to examine our own hearts. Because we are just as prone as we just sang to wander. Contrary to the wisdom of God. That is governing the world at this very moment. We are prone to trust in our own, own abilities to secure happiness, protection, blessing and peace. Instead, we need to pursue his wisdom. It is reliable, it is true, it is fixed. I like how one commentator puts it this way, to encourage us to pursue this kind of wisdom. If the Lord with wisdom as his tool accomplished the wonders of the various phases of creation, think what his revealed wisdom will do in the lives of those who find it. If his wisdom created the mountains, what can his wisdom do for us? If his wisdom caused the seas to come forth, what can it do in the lives of his people who trust in him with their whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? May we humbly receive his wisdom and walk in his wisdom as he's outlined it for us in his wise and holy word. Finally, the Father shifts back to the gifts and we get to the wise person is the secure person. Wisdom brings protection to those who gain her. We all want protection. It's why we have so many insurance policies and we're always called to renew them all the time. And why we get incessant junk mail telling us to get new insurance policies. It's why we have security systems and other means of securing ourselves or providing refuge. And without dismissing any of those, the father wants his son to know and to trust in the protection that wisdom provides. It's better than the latest and greatest home security system, it's more valuable than the personal bodyguards that all the celebrities walk around with. We see this in verses 21 through 26. And these also, like verses 13 through 18, build upon each other. And the father starts that this security we find in wisdom starts with obedience. Obedience is the key. He says, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. These are the only two commands of this second lecture. The first lecture was filled with commands, kind of sprinkled all the way through. For wisdom to protect the son, wisdom has to be present. And for wisdom to be present, going back to last week, it needs to be rehearsed. It needs to be guarded. It needs to sink deeper and deeper, not just in the mind of the son, but in his heart, so then it flows out of him. It must be as much on the inside as it appears on the outside, for only then can it protect the son as advertised. The son can't rest on his laurels. He can't reach a point where he says, I have wisdom, I have arrived. He needs to keep coming back to it. He needs to keep putting it before his eyes keep it sinking deeper and deeper into his heart. And through wisdom then, and through obedience to wisdom, comes the security in all situations. Look at verses 23 and 24. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. These verses kind of present all of life. If you're walking, you will be secure. If you're sleeping, you will be secure. And everything in between, you will be secure. And we confessed the security earlier this morning as we sang the song, song, the words of Psalm 121. It's the reason why I picked it for us to sing this morning. It fits well with what the Father is instructing His Son to do. Wisdom keeps us secure because wisdom keeps our eyes to the hills, to the maker of heaven and earth. We find security as we walk. We find our feet stable and not stumbling because they're walking according to the paths of the Lord, the paths of wisdom. No, this doesn't mean the path will be easy. It doesn't mean there won't be bumps in the road or times where it winds to the left or to the right. But we will not stumble as we walk them. Our foot will be secure. We won't hit that rock that we didn't see or trip over that stump that just seemed to appear out of nowhere. For those who've hiked, you know what I'm talking about. Wisdom promises we won't find ourselves tripping and stumbling along the path. We'll be walking secure as we go. But we find also security when we sleep. There's a lot of studies being done about sleep and what is the secret to good sleep. They say it's the mattress or the pillow or the ambiance or darkness. I'm not sure what the latest fad is about how to sleep. The Father says the key to sleep is wisdom. Those who sleep the best are the wise. Because those who are wise sleep fully trusting in the Lord. Trusting that he is not asleep even while they are. And so we see in these verses that there is no arena where wisdom's security is not being offered to the son. It is at all times, in all situations. Whether he's walking or sleeping, if he's on the heights or he's in the depths, she is there, ready on, on guard. And this then leads to how he closes this lecture in verses 25 and 26. Where it brings security because ultimately wisdom promises that the Lord is near. He says, do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. The father is honest with the son. There will be times of calamity. There will be moments when fear is at the door waiting to come in. There will even be times when the wicked seem to be winning in their folly. It will seem like destruction is not their path. But the father says, son, do not fear. Because the Lord is your confidence. The Lord is by your side. Again, from Psalm 121, which we just sang, at your right hand, the Lord, your keeper, is your constant shade. At my house, we play hide and seek a lot. And unfortunately, I scarred my children early on. Because when I used to hide, I would have a little fun and I would jump out as they were seeking to find me. And as a result, my kids don't like to be the seekers all that often. (laughs) So when someone else is hiding, even if it's Everett, the tiniest one, Daddy must go with them. And usually, Daddy needs to hold their hand. Because there's there's lingering uneasiness and fear. And holding Dad's hand reminds them that Dad is by their side, they have nothing to fear. And not only is this a delight to this very sappy father's heart, this is also a glimpse of the protection we see the father promising the son through wisdom. It is as though wisdom slips the hand of the son into not the father's hand, but the heavenly father's hand and says, you need not fear. I am by your side. Whatever jumps out of the closet, it will not destroy you. Whatever is lurking behind the dresser, Is not going to get you. Your Father is near. He is our confidence. He will keep us from being caught, whether caught by our own sin and folly or the sin and folly of this world and its temptations. So, where is your security resting this morning, today? Is it in the Lord or is it in your own strength or your own wisdom? Or the strength and wisdom of this world? Are you experiencing the nearness, possibly even in the midst of great trial? As you're holding tightly to the word of the Lord and his wisdom that comes from it. This is the promise he gives you. Your paths may not be easy, but they will be secure. They will be far from paths of folly and destruction as long as you are holding the hand of your father. But maybe, and more negatively this morning, your life is in shambles. And your sense of the Lord's nearness is lacking because instead of wisdom, you are embracing folly. The folly of your own sin, the folly of chasing after the things of this world. If this is you this morning, please know there is hope. All the things promised here about protection and blessing are there for you if you will turn from your own wisdom... And return again to the wisdom of the Lord. Turning from folly. To his good and wise instruction. For all of us may we stop resting in the confidence of ourselves or this world. Or anything else for that matter and rest solely in the Lord. He will keep us from stumbling. He will be our fear. He will keep us secure. Come back to our opening question. Is it worth it? You and I will never cease asking this question as we go about our days under the sun. As a parent, I I feel like most of my days is a question of, is it worth it? Is this battle worth it? Is this worth it? And while a question like this has its time and its place, may the Father's words here in Proverbs 3 rule out the necessity of such a question when it comes to wisdom. Without a doubt, wisdom is worth it. Just look at the world around us. Swirling in chaos and confusion, because wisdom, true godly wisdom is absent. Instead, folly is being celebrated at every turn. But more than looking at the world, because that's just going to lead us to despair, let us look first and foremost to the wisdom we find here in his word. For wisdom brings true and lasting blessing to those who find her and hold her fast, Wisdom keeps us in line with how God has created and sustained his creation. Wisdom brings us unshakable security as we find the Lord is near to us each and every step of the way. Wisdom is worth the pursuit because what we gain from wisdom are incomparable gifts from the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, would you convince us this morning that pursuing wisdom is worth it. That it is worth it for being blessed, being happy in you. That it is worth it in being secure in our paths as we walk faithfully along with you. May we be convinced of the security we find, not by walking in the world's wisdom or by our own wisdom, but walking by yours. Forgive us for where we have strayed. Forgive us for where we have trusted in our own wisdom and understanding. Remind us by your spirit that you are the all-wise God and you call us to come to you to return to us, to return to you in Christ daily, moment by moment. May we do so and find the blessing and the security of resting in him and him alone. In Christ's name, amen.